welcome to Just the Tomb Robbers podcast. Um, this podcast is about living with and without cancer and um, kind of investigating everyday life from just two different perspectives. Um, I'm Ed, uh, an aspiring journalist. And I'm Linda. I am a walking mum of five and I have uh, stage four bowel cancer. Um, great. That's great. Um, so I kind of, we'll just get into it. I know it's kind of our first one and we're kind of just... Winging it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> As we do. Um, so kind of, do you know what we'll do? We'll just start off and we'll talk about kind of why we're, we're doing this. Mm. Um, and I know I'll, I'll, I'll let you start because I know that this is kind of your baby in a way so yeah and I suppose for me as somebody who is young um 21 no 45 um and diagnosed with bowel cancer when I was 44 and then I suppose your life turns on its head then so your job is gone you know everything changes uh there's medication there's chemotherapy there's lots of different things and you have a lot of time on your hands to think so when I say your job is gone, like obviously you're out sick, your job is still there, but it's, it's, you're not going to work every day. So you've got a lot of time on your hands. And I suppose for me, I was looking for that, out, that space that I could talk about, you know, cancer and other illnesses and not just about my cancer, but about, you know, stories and, um, everyday issues that, that happen. Um, and, I've been at home now for eight months and I then found you Ed to, to help me set up a podcast, which is what I really wanted to do. I know I have an Instagram page called When You Have Hope and I document a lot of stuff there, but I think this is a great space to talk about the everyday issues um, in relation to cancer and other, other everyday things like mental health and you know other illnesses. So yeah. Um, and you were happy to join me. Um, yeah, like I, yeah, to be fair, I kind of, it kind of started as I was doing something for college and I wanted to kind of document your kind of journey. Yeah. And through that, I spent two days with you. And um, it's funny because I would have, I would have kind of initially been on an outsider on the whole thing and looking in and then kind of spend the two days, which I was like, oh my God, this is, actually someone's reality and it's not just my big thing was it wasn't just yeah you've got the cancer but also like you're still doing everything else on top of that and that to me was fascinating that was quite fascinating for me so it's nice to be able to actually sit down with you and like even when we were doing those two days we had some great chats like we had yeah. some really good chats and a lot, and of, learned... a lot of insight isn't there in when you're on the outside looking in you do learn a lot like like Friday is is bell cancer awareness month would I have known that this time last year no I wouldn't because I didn't have cancer so it just goes to show your insight into things change when it becomes your reality yeah it's mad it's mad because you don't actually like look at the amount of things we're not thinking about right now because it doesn't involve us yeah like there's so many things going on in the world and because it doesn't involve us we don't kind of give it take, a second talk yeah we yeah. don't take interest in it whereas now because it's affecting one because it's affecting you so you you have no choice but to live it to live it yeah whereas i'm kind of now i'm kind of in a way i'm on this journey with you because 
well, I'm stuck doing this podcast because you haven't got a clue about technology. So. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> um, and there's no getting rid of me, like, you yeah. know, which is something, this is something I really wanted to do. And I asked, like, I just randomly would say to people, do you want to set up a podcast with me? I hadn't a clue what it consisted of. In reality, I just thought we just chat together, but I didn't realise the extent of what we needed to do. And anyone I asked wasn't, wasn't into it. And I didn't ask you then because no one else would do it. I realised that you had the tools that I needed to do this. And I feel that, you know, this is not just about Linda telling her story or a pity party. This is about looking at real life stuff and along the way having a few giggles. You know, it's not all doom and gloom and it's not all serious. Like my everyday life is is a misery. Do you know, I've got cancer and we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the whole the whole sense of how that came about and what and and how how we got to where we are now um but there's good stuff happening in life as well you know and we have to remember that not to just focus on the cancer even though having all the time that i've had i wanted to do this because i just feel that my voice should be heard in lots of different ways and this is one of them yeah it's actually funny because something that i was when i was coming here um before when i was in college i was on the bus and i was thinking like kind of what we would talk about and i know you have some stuff kind of that you want to talk about in our first episode but one thing that struck me spending and i've spent actually i've spent a good bit of time with you over the past what months yeah over the past month because with the wedding and stuff like that so what strikes me is you've always said to me even when i was talking to you you're trying to learn not to sweat the small stuff yeah trying not and this this is something that i have such a big problem with because i always Mm. like if there's an issue or something i always go straight to the worst case scenario and like i'm trying to learn now just from spending time with you and stuff like that i i've seen your reality and i've seen other people's reality Mm. and i'm like why am i worried about something so small and stupid as that yeah but don't us as irish people catastrophize stuff like so something so small we make it so big for example, something silly like not being able to get a pair of white trousers for the wedding. Now we'll talk about the wedding obviously in other in other other weeks, but like the wedding that we were at recently at and we all had to wear white. And I stress so much about him not having those white trousers. And I catastrophized the thing, like and like I was going on, I'd say people were sick of hearing hearing it, but in the end it all worked out as it always does. Yeah. So you know what I'm trying to learn myself and I'm still doing it, still learning, because I can still sweat the small stuff is cancer gives you a different perspective on your life and i like for me i'm listening to some people's stories and it they're really important to them because the, the stuff is happening in their life but i try not get consumed in it because it, number one it isn't about me and number two i kind of think it's not really a big thing to them it is and everyone has the right to feel that their stuff is big i'd never take that away from anyone but it isn't big to me because after everything that's gone on in the last eight months, you know, I don't have the brain capacity to worry about little things. I just don't. Well, you can barely remember some stuff. So I know. That's... Yeah. And the days after, on the, on the first few days after chemo, I can be, my short term memories are terrible, like terrible. But that's the chemotherapy. I'm hoping. Well, yeah, yeah, but you've only got so much time where you can blame that. And then I'd be like, shit, I'm getting old. No, but it's definitely like, yeah. And I find that I take notes because I have to come back to it later and go, oh, that's what I had to do, you know. But it is like, because it's been happening 
in my first lot of chemotherapy and then in my second it's come back again so I know it is to do with the chemo but I better double check it with my oncologist just in case <laughs> it's not I'm just losing my memory um but yeah so that's kind of it yeah so like because that was just something that I was thinking about today because mm. I am so bad with that like I yeah. will just and maybe it's because I haven't had like yes I haven't had the easiest life ever but I haven't had something that's just kind of flipped it upside down like like yeah. a lot of what bad what happened to me was when I was younger and I've kind of grown out of it now yeah. like you don't forget those things but you kind of learn move to live on, with yeah. them and move on whereas I haven't had something that has just flipped it on its head like yeah. you and yeah. so th- I think that's why I find it so hard to kind of I don't know just not worry about something so sh- like I was so worried about an assignment today yeah. And then I spoke to the person about the assignment and they were like, no, you're, it's fine. Just take till Friday. And I'm like, why was I so worried? I could have just, yeah. like, there's so many easy solutions to things. Because as humans, that's what we do, isn't it, really? We really, like, I would have done that a lot. I'm going back to work tomorrow after I've been off for eight months because obviously we've had this conversation. Financially, I need to be working. We need the money coming in. Um, and our car is broke and we have to pay for that car. And, you know, my ego was hurt, though. You know, we don't talk about your ego. The fact that I wasn't getting paid enough now on sick leave and we had to go to social welfare, my ego was hurt because I worked so hard to not be on social welfare that there and I found myself having to rely on that. That might sound a bit silly to you, but to me, my ego was hurt and I was like, oh, I need to get back to work. Mm-hmm. You know, because you live within your means and then it's taken off you and then you're living on the bread line. You know, that's hard. Um. So, yeah. I'm going back. What was I saying there, actually? You know, the old brain. <laughs> no, so I'm going back to work tomorrow um, because financially I have to, but also because my mental health needs it. I need stability. I need my brain stimulated again. I'm the kind of person who always needs me brain. So I need to be thinking or doing something. Um, hence why having cancer, I still did everything that I did before because I needed a purpose, you know. Um, and this podcast gives me a purpose. It gives me it's a bit my air baby like mine and yours you know um and and i'd like to do lots of stuff with it but i suppose for a first one it's more about us getting to know people getting to know us and, and me being able to tell my story but again what you just said there as well like lots of stuff happened in my childhood and you deal with it and you move on and then something like this happens in your adulthood and you're like why like, if there's somebody up there that's a god, why are you doing this to me? Do you know what I mean? And, like, I would be like, I would have been a real warrior. So if I went for an MRI scan or I went to the doctor or I went somewhere, by the time I got, because I, I have anxiety since I was seven, right, on and off over the years. So I catastrophize. And, like, then you've got medical anxiety. So I would catastrophize everything. So what I mean by that is I would go to the doctor or I'd be going for an MRI or... And in my head, they're going to tell me something bad. They're going to tell me something bad. On the, I'll never forget, Ed, on the morning of the 28th of June, 2021, when I left my house to go for my colonoscopy, I had no feelings of it's going to be bad. I just like sauntered out the door by myself, which wasn't generally the way I go about Because I'd be like, oh, they're going to find something. Da, 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 da. And at this stage in my head, I thought that I had Crohn's disease or or colitis or one of those things so you know even though cancer might have came into my head I wasn't I wasn't fixated on that 
obviously you're going to think of everything but it was the one time I've ever left me house and not been really scared that they were going to tell me some bad news which is and shit was I wrong (laughs) yeah it's so strange though because like you it's when you're like you were every time you went you were expecting something and then the minute you weren't expecting something it was bad but all my life I find stuff like that so sometimes I tend to think the worst just so it doesn't happen but on this morning and I just remember going out the front door I went by myself because obviously Covid I was only going for a colonoscopy like and I left and I went down to the hospital and I knew I was going to be sedated and then I'd wake up and Carl would come and collect me and I'd be minded for the day because that's what has to happen but that wasn't the reality on that day things didn't go that way and I just always remember feeling really okay leaving here and not scared, you know. So it, so we all do things. And I, I think I'm speaking for others as well. I don't think it's just me and you to sweat the small stuff. I think we all do. Like, I think you wouldn't be human. Nobody's perfectly, we're all perfectly imperfect. Like, nobody is perfectly going about their day. You're you know? going to get that in, yeah, weren't you? Yeah, I, I wanted that to be my podcast name. But, um... Like everyone goes about their day, but we all have times where we, we think the worst or we sweat something that's really silly. Um, so yeah, like that's what just what I think, you know? Yeah, no, it's just, yeah. No, it was just something that I was thinking about today because I had been editing the footage as well. And I was like, I was looking at, like, I was listening, like re-watching the interviews I had done with you. And like you definitely have a face for radio, don't you? <laughs> or podcast <laughs> you don't want to see me on tv <laughs> um but yeah no it's just that that was just a really like that was just something that i was thinking of in the bus because all of today i was so worried about something so small and then I was, it was sorted and i was like it was like i just felt okay after it was sorted yeah. and i was like why was i so worried about something so silly like it's yeah. not and it, it's not something that i understand it's part of my grade but it's not something that amounts to anything really in life like if i failed that you can reset. Yeah, it wouldn't be that big of a deal, but I think we are just worried as humans to just be like, oh, fuck, yeah. we need to. 100%, I think that's true. I think we all do it. And even if we say we don't do it, we secretly do do it. Mm-hmm. We do. Like, um, I would be, be surprised if someone disagreed with that. Then again, we do have some perfect people in this world, don't we? Perfect and inverted. <laughs> yeah. um, so. <clears throat> I know like that was just my one thing that I want to bring up and I know you I'm kind of leaving the topics to you in yeah. a sense because I want this kind of to be led by you because in a way you're the more interesting person out of the two of us well I wouldn't say that but what I want to say before we do go any further is thanks for doing this with me because you know knew how important this was that I wanted to do this whether it falls on its arse and we need to keep that comment in the podcast <laughs> whether it falls on its arse and it's not successful or it is successful you're the one who's made this happen for me so i'll always be forever grateful so you know i never say i have the better or the more interesting story because everyone has a story and everyone's story is important to them <clears throat> but my like I, I like i struggle with the fact well i just i suppose people who will listen to this podcast will be on my instagram and know my story but will i just say how I got to where I am today briefly we can go back there or do you want me to yeah so yeah you can talk, so yeah basically right if you want to talk through talk through your kind of how you kind of how you got to like so eight months ago how you got to here 
keep it short keep it sweet don't give me a long-winded answer i was watching your interview today and the auntie gave me was so long i was like it's what, what i part? do yeah no oh, i was like what part do i keep in what part do i take out like it's also good <laughs> but it was also it's also relevant and yeah. important and yeah. i'm like how how do you tell your story in without, short yeah like how are yeah. you condensing that because it's hard it's something you can't, that's hard like, to and, and and bits of it that you might take out, I might feel like they were really important. Mm. So when I was asked to do an interview with a, a cancer agency or whatever, and they sent me on our interview after they typed it up. And I was like, that I didn't say that. And I didn't say that like that. And I didn't say that because I, I wanted to be portrayed how I say it, not how a journalist or a media person will say it. So I corrected all and sent it back and that was fine. Because it didn't sit well with me because I was like, oh, people are going to think that's what happened. And that didn't happen. Do you know that way? And that's, that to me is interesting because I'm coming at this from a, a <coughs> journalist point of view. Yeah, of course. Um, which is because obviously I'm training to be a journalist. And it's interesting because you actually, a couple of a couple of days, I think it was on Monday when I was up here, you said to me that when I was doing the video of you, I referred to you as a source. Yeah, and, and I don't like that. Yeah, you were like, I don't, I don't like being referred to as a source. And I, I said to you, I was like, that's just the way we're trained. We're trained to mm-hmm. disconnect. And I always find it funny because I tell this story to everyone because it, it's something that really stuck with me was I was interviewing you and I was behind the camera and you were, ups- you got upset and yeah. you cried. And, yeah, as I do every day. <laughs> and I'm sat behind the camera and I'm think all I'm thinking is, which is, sounds very selfish of me, but all I'm thinking is, Oh great, she's crying. Cry more. It's really good for the piece. Which but that's like that's my mind in journalist mode and media mode and oh my god, this is really good because Yeah. I'm upset. That's what yeah. people want. Like yeah. and we can sit here <coughs> and, and you'd we get can, more marks probably as well, you know, but however we can live with that. Yeah, we? we'll wait and see. <laughs> but, but that's the way that's the way the world works. People don't want two people just sat here. Like if I was just if you were just sat in front of my camera and I was asking you questions and you were answering them and you were fine, then it's a bit boring. Yeah, that's in every day with everyone. I could yeah. do that with anyone. But the fact that you were, the fact that there was emotion there, yeah, that makes it a bit more real. Yeah, and I find in the last three months, emotion like in the first three months I would have been quite emotional and then it all settled and then January was quite a traumatic month and then my emotions again shifted so. It is, there's swings and roundabouts with cancer where, you know, your mental health will go up and, and, and down. But look, I suppose what I'll do is I'll just, you know, talk about the 28th, actually we'll go back about six weeks from the 28th of June when I started to have uh, pain in my bum, uh, when I was going to the toilet, feeling like I was in labour in my bum, which sounds really funny, you know, and I'm not going to sugarcoat it because people want to hear exactly, and need to hear some of the symptoms of stage four or any stage cancer, bowel cancer. Um, I can't speak for other cancers because I, I have bowel cancer, all right? And even though I had mets in my liver, I never had any kind of issues with my liver. And if I did, I didn't know. So anyway, I started to have really, like I constantly felt like my bowel wasn't empty and like I needed to go. I had this pressure there. Um, there was like diarrhea, but it was diarrhea, just blood. Like there wasn't, it was exactly like diarrhea, but it was just, blood like that's what it was and that went on for about six weeks now the bleeding wasn't every day because obviously I just saw professional help be- well before I did if I'd been bleeding every day 
But going back about a year when we were in, in COVID and I was walking from home, there was one day where I did have blood in my, when I went to the toilet, but it subsided on that day and it never came back. So I don't know if that's connected or whatever, but it was a once off. So I never taught anything of that. But anyway, this, the bleeding was becoming a bit more regular, but the screams of me going to the toilet was a bit of an issue as well. So I rang my GP after about three or four weeks and I was like, look, Michael, I'm in agony. Like, I don't know what's going on. And we had to chat about, it been 2009 since my last um, colonoscopy and he'd send me for an urgent one. But I was like, what do I do until the colonoscopy? Because I'm in agony, like, and I, I have to walk and I have to look after my family. And he brought me in when he did a, a checkup and he gave me some laxatives and sent me on my way. And that was grand. And then I got the appointment for the colonoscopy and I thought no more of it until the evening before the colonoscopy when it was torture but look we there's other podcasts we can talk about that stuff on but you know we have to drink all that stuff and it was chronically painful um and then the next morning i went in from a colonoscopy and well the one thing i noticed dead is i've had a colonoscopy before in the past where they found four polyps back in 2009 right when i was in my 20s and they said come back in five years and i was pregnant five years later and i rang them up and she said no we can't do it and I didn't follow up, but they didn't follow up either. So both are responsible for that. It's not just me that's responsible. We're both responsible for that piece, all right? So that was fine. Um, and I knew when I woke up this time around on the 28th of June and the nurse came over and was like, hi, how are you feeling? I'm all right. Uh, and had a little silver tray with needles in it to take blood. And I was like, although I was sedated and I hadn't even took my phone out at this stage because it was so dopey. I was just waiting for me tea and toast. Um, she, I, I said to her why are you taking bloods like and she said look you've been sedated um so we'll wait till your husband gets here and we'll have a chat so carl came in and she had this piece of paper and she showed us like this tumor that they'd found in my rectum um and it, she said now i took it as she said five centimeters in size but apparently it's five centimeters up my rectum so it's very, so nearly sitting on it, like, you know, without being too detailing about it, but it is quite low down. And I always struggle with the whole bowel cancer thing. Like what's colorectal, what's colon? It's all bowel cancer, but they're all very different. And I think mine is rectal, as in it's in my rectum, it's not in my colon. Does that make sense to you? Like, so it says, cancer that begins in the large bowel is called colon cancer, which can cause a blockage in your bowel. This can affect how your bowel works. Cancer of the rectum occurs very low down in the bowel, close to your anus. So there's two different kinds, but they're both of bowel cancer. One's colon and one's coral, like um, rectum, rectal or whatever you call it. So yeah, so mine is rectal, but it's bowel cancer, like you know, um, which is which is when. Anyway, let's. I'm kind of jumping ahead a little bit. When she said to us that they'd found this tumour, it was that the Dr. Larkin was very suspicious. Um, I was going to have an MRI and a CT on the, this was on Monday the 28th of June. I'm sure it was a mon it was Monday the 28th. And the following week on the Monday, um, I was going to have an MRI and then a, a CT on the Tuesday and get my meet with Dr. Larkin on the Friday. He doesn't even work on the Friday or he doesn't have a clinic, but he was going to meet with me and Carl. And you always know when someone's asked to come with you that it's not good. You, like, you wouldn't be human. Like, you, you just, it's just common sense, like. And, um, like, I went away kind of in shock. And I remember Carl saying to her, so is it a polyp? And she was like, no, look, it's a tumour. And you could see it, like, but you're so 
like days after well I've no real tolerance for drugs so sedation to me I was away with the fairies you know um, and I went and had my MRI and my CT um, the, the following week but two days after my colonoscopy I rang the nurse back because I was so dopey for two days and I said to her what does it mean like what does this mean and she said to me look there's two options and the best the best case scenario is that the tumour will be benign, it'll have to be removed and you'll need to take two months off work. So I was able to plan with my job either way that the best case scenario was gonna be time out working an operation anyway, even if it wasn't cancer. So that was good on a work perspective because me and my team leader could make a plan. Um, anyway, we went in on the following Friday and still to this day, I pinch myself and say, how? Like, how do you get here? Like, how does this happen? So I went in, now I must say, the nurse manager was lovely and Dr. Larkin is such a nice man. I'm so fond of him. I've He's done another procedure on me since my diagnosis and I just think he's a lovely man. I really do. And he's going to hopefully do my surgery in a couple of months. But anyway, we went in and we sat down and I was like, well, you know, I've this stone face. Like, I'm not getting upset today. Like, this isn't happening. We're, he's going to tell me the story and we're going to go home and that's going to be grand. So sitting there and he said, look, we have found cancer and we have found secondary cancers. The tumour in your bowel is cancer and we found secondary cancers. Our secondary tumours, I think, was the word he meant. And I said, what do you mean by secondary tumours? He said, you've got four tumours in your liver, right? And the worst question to this day that I ever asked was, what stage is it? Like, I don't know why I wanted to know that. And that was probably the the stupidest question for me at that time I should have asked. But like what I what I would say to that is I think do you think that the reason you asked that question is because that's all like everything when you watch stuff on TV and you listen to people's stories and all, it's always always the question that always comes up is what stage are you yeah. at? Like it's it's all it seems to always be the thing that's it's so like correlated with cancer that yeah. And like my mum has, um, um, what's it called, COPD. And I will never forget going to her consultant and she was stage two to three. So it goes one to two, two to three, three to four, and then end of life. And she was two to three. So it is common that they say this, but they wouldn't have told me that if I hadn't asked. And I was sorry I asked that day because there was a, so what happened was I went in to see this consultant, do to do, and we go, he tells us this, I'm cracking jokes, Carl's run out of the toilet at this stage, throwing up, right? And I'm saying to Dr. Larkin, did anyone ever tell you you look like Ruby Walsh? Do you know what I mean? Who does that? Like, who fucking does that? Oh, like me. And then they said, look, Professor Gallagher, who was a oncologist, is going on holidays and he would like to see you today to make a plan before he goes. So, Ed, I'm going in to meet a consultant to find out, do I have colitis or Crohn's disease, which would have been a better diagnosis or what is the story and, and and just to go back a little bit I'll never forget on the bed having my go before your man put me sedated me and I told I was talking about my symptoms and he said that sounds like fissures now I had never heard of fissures never in my life and I said and what's the what's the treatment for fissures and he said Botox and I was like have you seen my face my arse doesn't need fish Botox my face does and we laughed like so I genuinely thought I was going to wake up and they were going to tell me I had this fissures. Um, but anyway, Dr. Larkin, he told us that and I said to him, I remember leaving, he's such a lovely man, but I said to him, are you my consultant now? And he said, if you need surgery, you'll come back to me, but now you'll be with oncology. 
So we generally, genuinely went in there to see a consultant and we ended up in an oncology that day, meeting the oncologist, meeting a um, nurse manager who was a um, cancer oncology nurse. We met her on that same day. So all of that happened on one day. And when we left the house at quarter to nine that morning, our lives were normal, absolutely normal. And then within the matter of an hour and a half, an hour, our lives were turned upside down forever. Because it is forever, like, you know. Um, and that was the hardest thing. And I just found it really, like so many people were so upset. And I was like, I couldn't even, I couldn't go there. I just couldn't go there, you know. Um, so I didn't really get upset. I, I, paid my, I make up for it now though, don't I? Because I do number cry. <laughs> so do you think like, so you were saying obviously everyone else was upset and like that seems to be a thing when something happens yeah. and it directly happens to the person. Do you, like, I don't know if you found this, but everyone else is more upset. Was Do you think everyone yeah. else was, everyone else was like really upset and then you were just like, well, I'm actually still like because obviously you were like what the fuck like come here I got delivered that many bouquets of flowers from into Florida I looked at my friend and went I'm not fucking dead <laughs> I've just been told I have cancer like I had about 25 bouquets of flowers Carl has a uh, hay fever he was like Linda I'm going to die if we keep getting these flowers we had to like put them around the garden because we had no room in the kitchen I wasn't dead but everybody's way like an Irish way is Let's send her some flowers. But little did one person know that 20 other people were going to send them as well, which was so lovely. And I was so, I'm not like, I was so grateful for the kind words and the thoughts. But I felt like I died because everyone was sending me flowers. And not only that, Ed, I fucking hate flowers. I only like artificial flowers. I don't like real flowers. And you were coming from like really, really expensive bouquets. And like, I wasn't going to go on social media and go, can you stop sending me flowers? I fucking hate them. Like, I just let some of them die because I just don't have any feelings towards flowers unless they're not real because I can just throw them under the tap clean them and put them back on the window or wherever they are like do you know what's funny like fuck it, the people in Interflora were probably looking at the cards like Jesus this Linda Burnett one is great she's after putting her sales <laughs> up by like, like 700 quid oh my like everybody brought me flowers like and as grateful and I would never say that like but funnily enough like and now like people now buy me pajamas and house coats because I'm real cold blooded like and I'm like because of what happened in January and how long I had to stay in hospital. I won't even put pyjamas on me now. I, the trauma of pyjamas, like I just don't wear them, you know? Whereas before, I, only if I'm really, really cold and I'll put the fleecy pyjamas, the fleecy socks, the fleecy house coat and get into bed. But like, yeah, the flower thing, I just found it really funny. So yeah, people don't know what else to say and that's okay. Like the shocking thing for me, Ed, is those people who I've been friends with for a good, good long time backed off away from me. Because they don't know how to, especially men, because they, I'd have a lot of male friends, I really would. Um, but some people, some males, they don't know how to respond. Like, obviously I'd be on the phone and then I'd start bawling. Imagine like, as, as a man, what do you say? Like, you know, and I don't know how I'd react if it was you. Like, would I be hiding around the corner? Cause I don't, I don't know what to say to you. You know, this way. I was just surprised that one or two people who kind of went off the radar. Because, not because they don't love me or they don't want to be my friend. They don't know what to say or they don't know how to manage it. Because my cancer is not curable. It's manageable. It's not curable. You know? And I think people find that hard to think about. And do you think, like... So, you're... 
you're saying obviously people find it hard to think about and like I would have been I would have been one that's kind of been like like I yes it is a bad thing but also I'm kind of like I like to look at it and just from spending time with you as well yeah. I kind of look, try to look at it as like you're you just want to do what you want with your life now yeah. and you don't really you don't really care about like like you said something to me the last like one of the last days that I was with you you were like you don't care about like stuff that's happened before or stuff that you've kind of not yeah. like you just want to get your stuff done you want to do your stuff and you just want to yeah. li- live your and life like, like to be honest i probably spent the first 44 years of my life uh in a in a in an anxious bubble and like i used to say to a counselor about two years ago i don't want to get to the end of my life and go fuck i did nothing with my life because i was too scared to take chances you know like if i didn't have cancer i wouldn't be sitting here trying to make a podcast that's what I mean, do you know? And I always remember saying to him, I don't want to get to my deathbed and think, why didn't I do those things? Because I was too scared. Because anxiety was leading my life. And now I'm like, yeah, this might fall on its arse and people might judge me and talk about me. It's none of my business what people talk, think of me. You know, that's the reality. Because, you know, I say that and obviously when the podcast goes out, I'd be like, oh, does anybody watch it? You know, like that. But at the same time, I'm learning to just, to just, yeah, take it in my stride and not, yeah, not to, to do, to, to take more chances, to take more risks, to not always be in fear. Because obviously you know the story about my childhood and the impact that has on my I wouldn't say my like my mental health as such, but in an anxious because I I obviously have suffered with anxiety since I was seven, um and that hasn't that hasn't cancer hasn't helped that let me tell you, um but it hasn't made it worse, I have to say because COVID had escalated it anyway, so by the time cancer came around I was like, sure the fucking anxiety's up to the roof anyway. Just throw something else. Yeah, on, yeah, but the one thing like I looked at today that I just want to read out Ed because I think what April's going to be. Bell Cancer Awareness Month, right? And this is what I can't can't get my head around, right? There's four stages. Just one second. Do you want to take a break? Will we do a little break? Yeah, I want to have a just break. Just so people can yeah. kind of just take a little break from listening to us, shine on. Right, we're back. Um and just before I cut you off rudely um, to take a break. Yeah, uh, I talk too much apparently, go on. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, so you kind of just wanted to talk through, you were saying that you wanted that you were going to talk through the, you want to talk through the stages? I'm just repeating myself. Yeah, like I suppose for me, and I'll keep it brief, I was diagnosed with stage four cancer. And obviously the question that you have for yourself is, how did I get here? I'm not nowhere at cancer. So like I, to get to be at stage four, I must have had it for a year or two before I was even started to be asymptomatic. So I had a look at, at the four stages, because obviously you do, it's one thing you do, like I don't, I really stay away from Google because you'd have yourself dead and buried if you were to use Google. So I try not to, but look, the stage one is, so the four stages, I suppose, stage one is the cancer is in the inner wall of the colon or the rectum only, okay? Stage two, the cancer is in the muscle layer of your colon or rectum and may have spread to nearby tissues. Stage three, the cancer has spread to nearby lymph nodes. And stage four, the cancer has spread to other parts of your body, e.g. lungs or liver. Now, obviously, 
my cancer started at stage one so it's it's gone through all of them before it got to stage four before i became symptomatic you know and when i met my oncologist and said that he was like but you're symptomatic now which is the main thing you know now is when we need to treat it so so my question to you was i actually wanted to ask you was because like i said earlier on the thing that you hear all the time is stage one stage two stage three and yeah. it's it's more it's just as common like stage it there's only ever really four stages it doesn't go beyond that really yeah but. and i think it, then it's stage four and then end of life like i i think when you're palliative it's probably gone beyond stage four if that's the same for like stuff like copd i'm but i again i'm not 100 percent sure so don't quote me on that but I would imagine when you're really at the end of life, it, it's gone past stage four. We'll, we'll get a, a researcher to check that. But an oncologist might tell me differently. So yeah, I'm not I'm not professional and don't have all the knowledge. Because I was interested, because you've actually answered the question reading all that out, but I was wondering if your cancer actually does go through all those stages or does, like, can you just go, can basically in your body just straight away develop stage four? But obviously it doesn't, it starts at I stage one. I don't think so. But again, we'll have to do a bit of research on it. But again, you know, people are, people, I think people who become symptomatic, like, and Ed, no matter what kind of condition I've had in my life, I'm always symptomatic. Like straight after Jaden was born, I needed a blood transfusion. Why did I need a blood transfusion? Because I was symptomatic of someone who needed one quite quickly. That's how my body's always responded. But unfortunately for cancer, it didn't do that. It let me go through one, two, because obviously it's it's gone, it's gone through all of those stages, and here we are now. Like, it, it, like I don't think I just have it in me rectum and my liver, and it's not gone to the the inner wall and and muscular layer and spread to nearby lymph nodes. I'd imagine all of them is why it's stage four. You know. Okay. Yeah. No. It's just it, that's. Really and maybe that's a bit of homework of you know doing a bit of research on, you know, because don't quote me on that. It would actually be great. What we might try to do is maybe get. It would be great to have an oncologist on and one that specialises in colorectal. Yeah, yeah bioelectrical rectal cancer yeah. and actually talk us through how mm. it all operate like how it operates. Jesus. If you've ever that's... listened, watched my Instagram stories around all of this, I always say I'd love to go to a lecture on colon cancer because it's it's specific to me. Like if I if I had breast cancer, it'd be it, that would be specific to me because I'm not minimizing any other cancers, but because I have bowel cancer, I'd love to just sit in on a lecture around, um, you know, tell me all about this, you know, the the stages and you know what happens and the treatments and you know um all of that so yeah apparently three percent of people are cured from cancer so there you go stage four let me let me uh correct myself there <laughs> stage four yeah which is very small percent like yeah. that's a very small percent because yeah. i'd imagine that there's a very high percentage of population with stage four cancers yeah. mm-hmm. so that's and apparently people with stage four cancer again we need to do our research because i just what this is my knowledge five years you know people with stage four can get to five years you know that's what we're told so that's what a lot of research says um Mm. which is scary when you're young you know i suppose it's scary if you're any age like i'm not you know if you're 70 if you're 80 if you're 25 it's scary um yeah so that's 
which is actually a good this is a good actually segue into kind of what i'll bring up is so you were saying a bit earlier on that april bell cancer awareness month yeah and what a conversation i actually had today i was talking to a lecture one of my lecturers about this podcast and one of the conversations we had was the screening age yeah. for bell cancer about how high it is because it's so high yeah 60 to 69 and so from the age of 60 they do bowel screening and then it's every two years after that it's shocking absolutely i can't get my head around that at all ed like so yeah that's quite high and i'd like to be involved in doing some work around that and in, in trying to reduce that age but again isn't that a role for the government to to or whoever the hierarchy to to change that like if you as as a patient in an oncology day ward on a fortnightly basis i see a lot of people with bowel cancer and i see a lot of people who aren't 60 and 69 they're in their 20s 30s 40s 50s you know cancer doesn't discriminate and go oh god i'll wait till she's 60 and then i'll hit her hard like that's not the way it is but it's not it's like it's like the whole thing i was saying earlier about finances Cancer doesn't say, oh, I'll give Linda a ring now in 2018 and let her know I'm coming together in 2021. So she better start saving. Do you know what I mean? Do you know what <laughs> Do you actually... get that? Like, I was thinking about that earlier. Like, cancer doesn't knock on your door or ring you and go, I'm coming to you in two years, so you need to start saving now so you're well able to stay at home and get cured. It doesn't happen like that, you know? And I just don't get it. Do you know what's something that I always thought, right? And I this is what I thought when, when, you, when I found out about you obviously having cancer this yeah. is what i always thought we like this family has like our family we have quite a big family yeah and just like on my mom's side and then on my dad's side mm. i've always thought to myself we've gone so long without someone being which is terrible to say but yeah. we've gone so long without someone actually having cancer in or our having family any because, illness yeah, yeah like we've been we've been so lucky yeah and like then i was like then part of me was thinking, well, it was bound to happen to someone eventually because they say, well, I'm sure there's like yeah. some really, really like And like, statistic. just let's be clear, your ma and my ma are related. So your dad's family is separate. I have a different dad's family, if you know what I mean. Like, mm. so our paternal families are different is what we need to say. So paternally on my dad's side, nearly everybody in that family has had some form of cancer and have passed away, unfortunately. And I had the gene test done and, and it's not genetic. I have a mutation called a CRAS mutation. It's K-R-A-S. And to be honest, I don't like Google, so I haven't really looked at it, but I think it's something to do with my own protein in my body. But again, it's it's probably, I need to gain more knowledge on that. So it's a CRAS mutation and not a genetic thing because with so many people in my dad's family having cancer, I'm unfortunately not making it. I thought, oh, it's genetic. Like it's definitely come from his family. Um. And the only one who doesn't that hasn't had it is probably him and, and one other person in his family. Um, and I was convinced that was genetic, but it isn't. It's, it's developed within my own body. And what we'll do in future weeks is we'll dedicate an episode actually to, we'll actually discuss the Hopefully whole idea. Hopefully not your dad's family. <laughs> <laughs> no, definitely not. But we'll, uh, we'll dedicate an episode actually, we'll talk, we'll sit down and we'll talk about this whole cross gene because you actually had said to us to we should get tested as well to see yeah. if we have it. Yeah. Um, so all my siblings have had colonoscopies since I was diagnosed. And one of them was quite lucky. She had something like six polyps. And to be honest, if she hadn't have been called for that colonoscopy, she was going about her life as if, because nothing was wrong, would she have been checked? Probably not. Would they have developed into tumours? Possibly. Possibly. Not always. 
but there's a possibility that that will happen so yeah so they and luckily i'm just the only unfortunate one you know that got cancer like um and so what will like we'll bring it take it back because we kind of went on a segue there oh, as to, we do as i do <laughs> to many different apparently topics. i don't shut up but um we'll so we'll go back to um this bell stages can- um oh well, i was going to go back to bell cancer awareness month and yeah, talk okay. about so basically i want to bring up the whole what what you're doing for bell cancer awareness month because you are um basically she's gonna walk a mountain which i'm gonna take out a section for page three model just for just for the day oh god I don't, i'm only joking that won't give any benefits to bell cancer awareness month no not unless i get my hair so even if you get it out god. God, it's yeah I'm, so um i felt like i wanted to as i said to you earlier eddie i find it very hard to, to say stuff in a small amount of time i'm a bit of a waffler but as I said to you earlier, you know, a year ago in April when it was Bowel Cancer Awareness Month, it was irrelevant in my life, which sounds terrible, but I wouldn't have even known that it was Bowel Cancer Awareness Month. But now, obviously, I've got cancer and I'm, you know, I'm in the midst of treatment at the minute. Um, and I thought, what do I do for Bowel Cancer Awareness Month? Now, I've done an interview. Um, one, I'm, I've done one interview and I'm doing another interview next week and we can talk more about that. But I wanted to raise some money for a charity because so many charities have been good to my family, like um, our cancer support service who provided play therapy for my children who really needed it. Um, and then we got some funding off the Marie Keaton Foundation. The Vincent de Paul were very good to us. The F2 Centre on Fatima was very good to us. So to pick one to get set up a goal for me and do something for was really difficult. But my children really benefited and they're the most important thing in my life. So my, your brother is trying to walk every mountain in Ireland for the end of the year. He told me that a couple of months ago. And then I went to him and I said, look, I might do one with you. And he was like, yeah, yeah, we'll pick a small one. But then I said, how about I do one for a charity? How would you feel about that? And he was fine with that. Um, so we first of all picked a Lagoalena mountain in Wicklow that's completely not what it's called but it's something like that Lagoon whatever he'll correct me on it some mountain in Wicklow and then he said Linda that's actually too difficult for you because obviously I've just had a liver resection I've had to tour them a liver removed in January I'm still recovering from that so we picked the Melusa mountain in, in County Clare and we're go- I'm going to do that with your big brother and hopefully other people will come along um, I'll be doing it as well yeah and, and the ARC, ARC Cancer Support Service are going to provide us with t-shirts. I've set up a GoFundMe page just to raise some money for them. And that's on the 30th of April. So I wanted to mark it on the last day. I didn't want to do it at the start of April. I wanted to mark it on the last day of April. I'll probably die at the end of it, but sure, it'll be done. <laughs> no, but I wanted to mark it at the, on the last day of April. I don't know why, I, I suppose, for lots of reasons. And one to give myself some more time to heal from a surgery and more time to get some exercise and get back into a better shape. Um, and I will and just say that it's three hours forty minutes, by the way. Three hours twenty eight minutes. Okay, so okay. a little longer than this podcast, but uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, if Linda keeps talking, it won't be. Um, but I will just say that what we'll do is we will put. You're a bit of a prick, aren't you? Yeah, well, <laughs> this is what you got yourself into. Um. 
what I will say is we'll put links to all of our um the GoFundMe page and to Arc itself. Yeah. And then we'll also what I'll do is I'll put links to all the other charities that have been really good. Yeah. And people can go and donate to these charities whenever. You don't just need to donate to them during Bell Cancer Awareness Month. They do work throughout the whole the year. year, yeah. But um, I just wanted to do something this month. I didn't want it to go unnoted because I'm in the midst of bell cancer now, so you know it's you know and, and because do you know what I find very hard that I spoke earlier about my ego I'm in a I was in a good paying job and when that's taken from you and other people are helping you out it's very hard like because you feel it, it's embarrassing your ego's hurt you know you're not used to this stuff and then you just want to give back because that's just what you want to do like you know hmm. and um saying that so your target on your gofundme page is 500 500 yeah um so yeah so what we'll do is we'll put links up to that and people can donate and stuff and all the money will go to arc yeah and just to say with the gofundme it goes straight to arc it doesn't come to me i don't have any say over that money whatever's donated at the end um will go straight into their account it doesn't come near my account because obviously they have their own account that gofundme have and they just put it into so yeah so please donate because i don't want to walk them out for free you know <laughs> oh god actually i would walk them out for free i'm only joking we'll probably be getting your airlifted off the mountain yeah yeah or we'll have a stick or something i don't know you know two sticks going up the mountain like that um yeah so if you and, if, and as i said this already if people want to join us it is three hours 38 minutes up and back it's a, it's it is long but it's meant to be a nice a nice easy kind of walk so you know it'd be great if people joined us um i just need to know you know if if people are joining us so we can get them t-shirts yeah so so like if for whatever unfortunate souls are listening to this podcast um <laughs> if if you Shame on be, you. <laughs> if you happen to be listening and you want to kind of join in you can email we have an email for the podcast yeah. so you can email us uh it's just it's just the tumor of us um, at gmail.com uh, it's t-w-o-m-o-r um, kind of a little play on words and Linda's after farting and you know what we'll do another episode on this on toxic tumour farts Jesus they've <sighs> nearly empty. they'd empty the uh, O2 arena or something I swear to God they're, like, so, bad. they're so bad they smell worse than the canal beside our house I'm going back to work tomorrow I'm going to have to buy plugins just for the office so I don't kill anyone <laughs> There was something I wanted to say there, but I can't. It's gone out of my head. Um, yeah, another thing I suppose for people is, I've got my story about bowel cancer, and there's lots of ways around this. And we want to talk to other people and to to other, you know, we were saying the other day about like silent, um, I know invisible illnesses. Mm. Ed, you were talking about invisible illnesses. Yeah. So like, kind of what we want to do is like, so there's such a bad like everyone always thinks negative about like diseases and illnesses and stuff like that yeah like what i'd like to do with this podcast is i'm i'm fortunately enough that i know of i'm well okay i'm young i'm healthy i'm well and i'm very thankful for that especially after spending a lot of time with you i am and like to be fair you're you're well yeah yes you have cancer but also you are well enough like Mm. um and i am very fortunate for that but from my perspective i would like to help more and i would like to kind of kind of get people's stories and kind of raise awareness about things because it's not just cancer so what we mean by invisible conditions it's not just cancer it's like diabetes um now i've gone drawn a blank diabetes um, um 
What's the MS? Yeah. Um, There's lots. Like uh, motor neuron disease. Like there, there are a lot of Loads conditions. Loads of people say to me, God, you don't look like someone with cancer. What does that look like? What does that look like? And I'll stop you there because that's another thing that we'll talk about in another episode because that would fill a whole episode yeah. because it, it's such, it's a conversation that we've had. Yeah. We've had and it's very interesting because everyone has a perceived image of it. Yeah. Um, and if people want to like us to talk about something within the cancer context that like I haven't experienced because the thing about cancer is everyone's, we could have... I think it's two to, over 2,800 people a year, don't quote me on it, are, are diagnosed with bowel cancer. We all have a different story. We all have a different, you know, whatever chemotherapy works for me doesn't work for the next person. Whatever keeps me well, as in my chemo, doesn't keep the next person well. So, you know, if people want to talk about other stuff, send us in emails, you know, um, and we'll gladly have other people on and come and chat to us as well if they're comfortable with that. Yeah, like we'd love if people want to email us, email us your stories, email us. Look, if you even want to just email us some something stupid to kind of get it off your mind or something, we'll read it out. We'll have a chat about it. You can come on. You can talk to us. Yeah. Um, it'll actually kind of help me not have to listen to Linda for an hour. So And an hour before that and an hour after. So, <laughs> so it'll always be good. And like we're happy. As we said, you don't have to have cancer. You could, you could yeah. just be someone that's dealing with something really hard like we're we're just here to the whole point is we want to have a chat we want to help people we want to raise awareness yeah. about other silent conditions yeah. and stuff like that cancer so, doesn't discriminate age gender race color whatever either does other illnesses you know it just comes and get and it does no warning as i said cancer doesn't ring you up two years before in 2020 and go i'm coming for you in 2022 just get prepared that's not the reality the reality is it sneaks in into your life and it just blows it apart and another thing another podcast that we will talk about and we'll and if someone else wants to come in here as well is the ripple effect that cancer has on a family because it's not just about me yeah i'm the one going through treatment and i've been through hell and back in the last three months more so than the last eight months but my family have been through hell too you know so that's in for another day there's loads of different things we could talk about but again we don't have to talk about cancer every week you know um, if other people with other illnesses want to have a chat um, yeah definitely and I think what I'll do what we'll do is we'll just explain the name a little because so we, we were trying to come up with names and Linda's still not mad on the name uh, which is totally fine like we yeah. look it is all a work in progress and we're and just we did to... brainstorm and it was any good ones that we came up with people had already taken so yeah, like we, yeah, we will hit a load of lows, but we will not steal from someone else. So, <laughs> <that's> <laughs> yeah. just, um, but like, so we're still kind of this is all a work in progress. We're figuring it out, and like we'd like people to come along on the journey with us and kind of figure it out. But the name we kind of done, I was just trying to be funny with it and kind of punny, and that's what we want to do. We don't want it to be all doom and gloom. Yeah, Linda might cry what can we do you know i'll just be sat on the other side being like crying you guys just be lucky you can't see my ugly crying only eddie can see that (laughs) i have some video clips so i'll post them on the social medias (laughs) she'll kill me but um so yeah so that's kind of where i just thought of a kind of a play on the song and just that's why it's just a tumor of us because it is the two of us talking and i don't have i'm fortunate enough i don't have a tumor but also i'm learning a lot about it and and that's important as well So yeah, and so, just to say, like I've had seven tumors, but I've got one left. 
Um, and that's another conversation for another podcast because there's a lot of what happened around that. Um, and the tumor, it's T-W-O-M-O-R because we want people to find us, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, my Instagram is also When You Have Hope and that is dedicated to my cancer journey. You know, I don't want to overbear people with cancer. That's why we want to talk about different things, you know. Actually, I'll just ask you a question just before we finish up, actually. So you mentioned your Instagram there and you set that Instagram up actually after your diagnosis. Yeah, around um, August 2021. And I actually, so I done an interview with someone um, and they, it was about, they had a condition and it was about that and stuff like that. And they said to me that a lot of, uh, a lot of the, the bad thing that a lot of people do with the condition that they had and that other people because the conditions really like they're wide condition now I won't mention the condition I won't mention the person by name but um a lot they made an Instagram to follow the progress and yeah. he, they actually said that that's that's actually not good behavior it's toxic behavior because it doesn't you're just reinforcing the condition you're you're making the condition now the condition is not similar to cancer. Okay. It do, it is debilitating in itself, and it is a, a they're they are terrible conditions. But do you find? Sorry, my question is really long. Yeah, I don't but, get the question at all. My question is: Do you find that actually doing your Instagram has helped you, or do you find that it's it's making it's making your anxiety around it worse, and it's making you think about your condition more? Look at at the end of the day, Ed. Not everybody's like me. I'm a talker, as you know. And I don't bottle stuff up. It's not my style. I just don't. So for that reason, I don't get depressed and I don't have massive breakdowns in myself because I don't allow allow myself to bottle stuff up. So if I have something going on for me, I'll talk about it. Um, and what I was, I'm going to have to beat and track there. So I find comfort in my Instagram, right? Where I load it off there. And it's gone out of my head then because I've put it somewhere. And then I've had a couple of people come to me through my Instagram who are whose husband's going through the same thing. A lady yesterday from England who said to me at the end of our conversation, you've made me smile today, you've made me happy. Like, why would you not, why would I not have that page when I'm getting so much from it, but other people are getting something from it. So no, Ed, I'm not um, going away having anxiety attacks, making myself feel worse. If anything, my Instagram page makes me feel more at ease and more comfortable in my own skin. So it's know? like therapy for you. Yeah. And like, I don't have a massive following at the minute. I've got 900 and something followers, but they're genuine and they're interested and people want to hear what's going on on the good. And I always say on my on my Instagram page, it's the good, the bad and the ugly. You don't just get all the good bits because that's not how cancer goes. You know, there is the ugly bits as well of me ugly crying. Um, and the stories about my farts, you know, I do have rectum cancer, you know, so there's all of that, like, but we have to laugh because if you don't laugh, what are you going to do? Lie down and just give up. I won't let cancer de- define me or defeat me, you know, but I'll try my best to not let it defeat me, you know, but I'll keep fighting. I'll keep cracking jokes and I'll keep my Instagram going. And if I ever feel that it's become a task to go on and talk to people, then I won't do it right now and like some people probably are like oh here she goes again that's okay don't follow me like you know um and that that's actually really good point to end on yeah so this is our first episode done done and dusted um 
so yeah so as you were saying you can uh, email us um at justed tumor of us uh, that's t-w-o-m-o-r um at gmail.com and then you can find us on social so our twitter is j-t-t-u uh, podcast um and our instagram is just a tumor of us uh, podcast and you'll find us all there Um, all our links will be in our acast biography so don't worry too much and i'll put links up to the uh, GoFundMe page for the walk and I will put links up to all the charities that you mentioned that were really yeah, good for the family. Yeah, and um, I'll put the link for the podcast at some point on Friday in my Instagram as well. Yeah, so when people hear this it'll be gone out on Friday yeah. the 1st of April to mark uh, Bell Cancer Awareness Month. Yeah. Um, and then the walk is to end Bell Cancer Awareness Month so there's a bit happening at both ends of the scale. Yeah, and we'll have, there will be future episodes, like there will be three more episodes before the walk and so people can get in touch and stuff and if they want to take part they're more than welcome. It's welcome and it'll be great and we'll have good crack on the walk and mm. you know, we'll just do whatever we can to help. Yeah. Um, and going forward if people think there's anything they feel that they'd like to see change then let us know yeah tell us tell us what we can do better tell us what we can do worse well not we can't do anything worse can we no, was, no. Was, to be fair it was pretty yeah. touch and go we just don't want to fall on its arse there's enough going on with arses at the middle <laughs> <laughs> no pun intended oh, sure look if it happens it happens yeah. we'll just have fun with it and um, we would love if people had like subscribe save us on iTunes subscribe on spotify all that sort of yeah. good stuff give us a rating why not like yeah. even if it, i know don't give us a shit rating actually we don't need that we actually don't need any bad ratings yeah like ed is the, ed's the professional and i'm just twaddling along behind him so just listen to him when it comes to all this stuff <laughs> just yeah look at i'm not going to be looking at if the ratings are bad <laughs> i'm looking at them <laughs> linda just wants 50 grand and i'm like i just want to live me best life guys ASMR <laughs> now or what are you doing I don't know like, you're really sure to put that microphone in your mouth I know I'm not used to holding something in my hand this big oh, no, <laughs> listen if you want to rate us rate us look at least we know we're doing something wrong or we're doing something right all we can do from today is learn going forward you know it's important for me that this goes out on Friday yeah it's not it's not What's the word I'm looking for, Ed? It's not like perfectly perfect, but that's okay because next week's will be better. Yeah, we'll we'll improve on it every week. And look, we're all learning with you. And she says I'm the professional. I'm not a professional. I'm just having fun with it. And, and just... he says I talk too much and I'm not sorry for that because that's just my personality. So And we learn to gel yeah. with each other. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... We have to keep the memories of the wedding because that'll keep us going because we had good crack there, so... Yeah, we'll, do you know what we'll do? Next week, we'll actually discuss the wedding and kind oh, yeah. of give a bit more detail because we just kind of skimmed over and they're like, wedding? What wedding? Yeah. And there's a couple of things we skimmed over. Like, we haven't spoke about my treatment or my surgeries or, you know, the outcomes and all of that. So there's a lot to still be discussed. Um, Yeah, and we'll just play by year and see how we go. Yeah. Great. So, yeah, as we said, get in touch with us and uh, we will ch uh, chat next week and see how it goes. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Bye.